0: I'm Jeannie Holzbacher, and on behalf of myself and my fabulous co-host, Jill Wright, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine, conversations that count. We search the planet to bring you some of the most dynamic leaders in various industries who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous positive impact on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. They so desperately need you to shine your light bright.
1: Cheers.
2: Welcome, everyone. I am so excited today. First of all, Jeannie is not with us today. She is out shining her light bright in the world. And so today, back by popular demand, I have Christine Kahane and Doug Krug from the Center of Unlearning. And they are, they are really extraordinary people. And last time we had this incredible life-giving conversation about leadership and and how you tap into the genius within people. And today I also wanted to mention part of the, the, their secret sauce, if you will, is how much they care. And, you know, they say that people don't listen to what you say until they know how much you care or they don't care what you say until they know how much you care. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today and you have the capacity to, you go into a room and everyone in that room can feel how much you believe in them, in their unique gifts, their potential, their talents, all of that. And, and I think that is something that really sets you apart because it's not the curriculum that you teach. It's the genius that you tap into. So talk to me a little bit about where where did that come from? How did, how did you tap into that in yourself? Where did that start?
0: Oh, what a great question.
1: <laughs> uh, really?
0: And, oh, I, I just want to mention, as we get started, that we are the Institute for Unlearning. If you're looking yeah. for us online or in social media or whatnot, we are the Institute for Unlearning. But, so, yes, thank you. <laughs> no worries. I think for me, Doug, do you mind if I just hop in?
1: Oh, you, you already have.
0: Okay. Oh. So I think for me... It was the realization, and I was excited about my corporate life, and I I loved working in big corporations. I worked down on Wall Street for a long time. I, I worked in, in big retail for a long time, and I, I loved that atmosphere. And what always hurt, it literally was painful, was when I saw the dedication to creating and causing separateness in the workplace and divisiveness and division in the workplace. And, and over time, you know, that's, this is over 20 years, let's say, right. I'm that I'm seeing this. Um, And what I realized was that I wanted to be on the journey to find the opposite because there was a belief in me that said, we're all connected, whether we believe it or, or work for it, it's happening. And and so, rather than, than resisting and fighting against that, this is that this natural connection. And we can talk later about the 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 physics, right, of the physical science of it. Um, that's what I wanted to be about. And so I started just being blatantly caring. When and and when people were really scared of it. They would toss me out. I got fired from more jobs than I can even than I can remember counting, and it was usually around. Uh, it was around the a dialogue or the resistance to having a dialogue about about openly caring and, and working toward integration and and connection. And I, I can give you a bunch of examples, but that's my short long answer. <laughs> Doug it's true. How do
1: I yeah. right top that So <laughs> No the, the yeah. first thought that came up For me was I left Corporate America to start my own business Because I was so smart And I couldn't get Good employees The people who reported to me in the corporate Arena so I started my Own business and it wasn't long Into it that I was ready To have to close the doors Because business was horrible, absolutely horrible. And then one day the realization hit me, and that was, there was one common factor in all the poor employees I had. And you don't have to get to this quickly, I appreciate you taking a little time, but they all reported to the same guy. And when I owned that within myself, And then instead of being the one that needed to be the smartest one with all the answers, when I shifted to asking the team what they thought about things and the energy that sparked between them when they were engaged and being asked instead of being told what to do. And the second was, I was also in retail as Christine, but the second was, I had never been in retail before. I'd never had a business of my own. So I took it the next step and started asking the customers who walked in the door. Wow, what a concept. Right. And by the way, it is 45 years later, and I still run into customers 45 years later who remembered the difference of how they felt walking in the door and being asked rather than being told. And they were not just a transaction. It was a relationship. And that aspect is so missing in organizations today is the importance of that relationship. And the one that just popped in is the culture in organizations that causes the employees even to be in competition with each other.
2: Rather
1: than than building on each other and supporting each other and, and to see the light, the light bulb shine in their eyes when they were figuring out for themselves what we needed to do to improve the business. And by the way, starting with no money, no background in the business, ready to close the doors within three years. I had two additional stores and a purchase option on a 200-room hotel, all because of the people, not me, them.
2: Absolutely. I mean, people ask me all the time, what makes your business successful? (laughs) And, And I said, it's really simple. You know, I love people. I And, and you mentioned a little bit about connection before Christine and, and I'm working on a book, you know, like your new book, which I want to talk about too, but it's called, you know, soul to soul, like the power of connection and connection is the essence of life. I mean, all life starts from connection so so do ideas innovation relationships and all of those pieces are what you specialize in that you can go into an organization and and just take off the mask because that's all it is the separation is a is a mask it's a protection You know, and when you create that space for people, then then they start to do those things. They connect, they innovate, they share ideas, they build relationships, build teams, and like you said, it when you start the ball rolling, it all happens naturally. Doug, it looks like you're going to say something. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: just to build on what you just said, that's why we can go into organizations that we have no background in what they do and produce such incredible profound results so quickly is that all we do is engage the people in discovering within them reconnecting within there's the first connection yep. reconnecting within themselves that they start feeling safe enough to start telling their truth collectively
0: Where it and that's where it starts when they start when they get to hear themselves tell the truth something marvelous happens it's con- it's contagious mm-hmm. and everybody starts telling the truth but also alongside that people begin to uh, also own what's working and what's not working so they can let go of it and when they hear themselves say huh yeah i gotta own that right So, so they create a new, I want to say they draw a new line in the sand and it's, um, you know, this is a hackneyed word, but they start to step into, uh, a greater accountability and integrity.
1: Yes. Ownership.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what we say about integrity is as you do one thing, so do you all things, right? When you start being integrous about one thing it spreads yes and you take it home and uh doug has a marvelous we do a marvelous module on integrity and he he has gone around where he has seen a lack of integrity and where people sell out Mm -hmm. um like like uh where you'll see uh wadded up paper towels around the waste basket in the bathroom of the VIP of the B- VIP bathroom <laughs> where we're, where we're, you know, doing a, 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 an engagement and nobody's, nobody's bothered to put the paper in the trash into the waste basket. It's everywhere around it. Like, because somebody else is going to come and clean up after them. Yeah. And, and if they're selling out at that level, where else are they selling out?
1: Yeah. Right. One just came up, Christine, is uh, and you haven't seen this yet either, but
0: it's (laughs) the the label
1: on this is a sign of the times. And it's the sign of a pickup after your pet sign on a neighbor's lawn that we have so gone down in our personal integrity that we have to remind people by signs. And by the way, the only reason those signs are there isn't because it's something you don't know. It's because the low level of integrity of people who don't clean up after they take their pet for a walk, you have gotta know something could happen on this walk. And that is happening in, in corporations, businesses, government, all across the country. That return to personal integrity is so vital
2: well, and personal responsibility too. I love I that. Think. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. To really, because because along with integrity, you have responsibility. Like, you are the only one responsible for the success of yourself. And and one one thing that I want to say when you when you were mentioning that is you were talking about uh, like making mistakes and want there's so much fear with with oh, yeah. I'm gonna get it wrong mm-hmm. and I I would just part of what you do too is you make it safe to explore what feels right. there is no judgment, there is no right or wrong because think about it if i I have a saying there is no connection in perfection. Yes. So wow. imagine. Beautiful. If you went to work and everything was perfect all the time, would you connect? I mean, think about it. Would you build relationship if everything was rosy posy all the time? No, you build relationship when you experience something, you might get it wrong. You might need to explore different options. But when you can go into a situation, a difficult situation, That's when you build relationship. That's when you connect with people. When you've gone through the war together. I mean, you do a lot of work in the military and those people understand what it means to build relationship that lasts. So how are you helping people yeah, I, I know you do. You make it safe for them to explore without yeah. judgment.
1: Yeah. Here's a,
2: different ideas. Go ahead, Doug.
1: Oh, just a classic example, an executive team of a major healthcare system. And, and the leader invited us in the CEO to get experience with working with his team. And one of the people on the thing, he said, here's an issue. We've got one of the people on his team said, Oh, here's an idea of what we can do. And the CEO immediately said, I have a better idea. In the snap of a finger, what was the likelihood that anyone else on that team was gonna raise their hand or suggest anything? And this CEO was so proud of himself that he had this bright idea. Without realizing what he had just caused The disconnection, and by the way, recovering it is a lot harder than holding it and keeping it. And that's another missing piece in understanding, is how quickly we can do it unconsciously as a leader. And the recovery time is tremendous, and the cost tremendous.
0: But to rebuild, you you keep saying it, Doug, and I'm thinking trust, right? Yes. Trust.
1: Thank rebuilding you. trust, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, is so important. I think too. Uh, we we have a fascination in this country with with uh, uh, problem solving, and it it, it is a uh, it it is costly because when we are fixated and 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 we build, we literally can build businesses around solving problems, it, it is in its, uh, it breeds mistrust. The way that we focus on what's the problem, who caused it, like who's to blame, right? And that, you know, as soon as we go into the blame game, you know, and, and bless Brené Brown for, for bringing vulnerability and, and shining the light on shame and blame. Right. But as soon as we're blaming people and they get shamed, they shut down, they shut up, they get ostracized. Disconnection happens. It, you know, it happens in an instant and it's so nuanced, but but the people who end up succeeding are the ones who can find the problems and and then fix them. But look at how the, you, uh, the universe of options and possibilities starts to shrink and and decline when all you're doing is looking for the problems, because there's evidence for for problems all day long. But the thing that people aren't paying attention to is that there's also evidence of what's working and what's going well and what's going right. And, and literally what you could be building on. So, and that's, that's the channel for building trust and connection. Absolutely. So yeah, when yeah. we, and I'm gonna shut up now, but, but I do wanna bring this stat, the statistic um, forward and that is we have for decades now my entire my entire adult career in corporate america we have been at about 87% disengagement and when people hear that they go oh no gallup says that you know it's much improved and but what gallup is doing is you know splitting hairs but there's still disengagement in the workforce over decades. And Doug and I believe at the Institute that it's because we continue to be focused on problem solving.
2: Well, and you do it so beautifully. And, and I want to bring in one little principle. I, I learned this when I was very young. I remember being on the back porch after church at one of my relatives' house, and he was my uncle was teaching me that he said, Jill, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Ah. The really, really smart people they bring in all of the other experts in these areas mm-hmm. so that you, as the leader and me, I just wanted to have fun. You know, I don't want to have to think about all these things. So I want to bring in people that love doing all of these different things so that they can be the expert. And I think that that has been a big key to my success is that I want to honor the experts and I want to honor the genius within my team. I don't want to do all the work and if leaders can learn, I mean, maybe I'm lazy, uh, but I want to learn from other people. I have good ideas. They have good ideas. And together we are finding solutions for things that I would not have been able to think about on my own. And that's what you do so brilliantly is you go in and you cultivate because often they have brilliant teams around them. But maybe they're underutilized.
1: And completely.
2: so you showed that, hey, that life is easier. You know, <laughs> if you just tap into the, the wisdom around you and look at what happens when you do, your yeah. life becomes exponentially more free because yeah. now the, carrying the burden of having to be right Yep. And yep. having to be the leader with all the responsibility
0: is a heavy burden. It is well that some some people's definition of success is the feeling of that burden. That means they've, you know, they've achieved, they've arrived, they're, you know, they're at the p- pinnacle. They're on. They're, they're. That means that they're the the leader.
2: But they're missing all the fun. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah, if, they can, if they can understand that, that, uh, that that's why they die. That's why they have heart attacks. That's why all it of is- these things happen. People aren't meant to carry other people on their backs. You know, that, that's not the idea. We're meant to walk hand in hand and learn from each other and grow exponentially because of the combination of the wisdom in the room.
0: Yeah, we call it co-intelligence. And yes. it is, we watch it in a room, Jill. We watch it come alive. You you, the, you see and feel the energy. The voices get louder. Everybody's talking. The energy gets bigger and bigger and bigger in the room because they're co-creating. They're tapping into this co-intelligence. They're connecting, right? And they forget that they need to protect, defend, defend, uh, uh, compete in an unhealthy way uh, and compare themselves. That that sort of just dissipates and dissolves. And what comes forward in its place is this marvelous desire to find solutions. Exactly. And we believe there's no there is no issue or challenge that there isn't already a solution d- to, to finding.
2: Exactly. And I see other people with all kinds of programs and they go into companies and they do this and that. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what you guys are doing is that you have the capacity to bring that out in an organization in ways I've never seen before.
1: One of our favorite. Sorry. Go ahead. No, one of our favorite acknowledgements when we work with a team is can't believe how much you achieved so quickly by saying so little yourselves. All we do is facilitate the conversations and and to go back to something Christine said a little earlier, that 87% disengagement, what that is saying, that 87% of the people who work there, wherever that there is, are only going through the motions of being there, only doing what they have to do. And when you create an environment, as we do quickly, that it is safe for somebody to suggest something without being judged that it's wrong, it's amazing the next suggestion that comes up and then the next one, And it is seldom our ideas that get implemented. If ever, it isn't our ideas that get implemented to move this organization forward quickly. It is their ideas that have always been there when a leader understands this whole dynamic of connections. And and here's a quickie on this with the problem solving. Number one, When you talk to any of the experts, the problem-solving experts, and ask them what's the biggest challenge to getting something done, and they will say resistance. It's resistance to change. I don't understand how somebody before now hasn't thought that if we didn't cause the resistance to begin with, we wouldn't have to work so hard to overcome it. And nothing causes people to resist quicker than to be made wrong for what they're doing or how they do it. It's not human nature to resist change. And we have gotten better and better. There are leaders who talk about how great they are and they're getting better and better at causing their own people to resist. Yeah, and, and then they waste so much time trying to overcome the resistance money. they've caused
0: time and money so so some of the limiting beliefs that unlearning that unlearning exists to unravel um is the belief that change takes a long time and it's really hard yes. like like people run around uh, experts and leaders alike you know because we are change agents, Doug and I, and we do go in to to manifest change within an organization, and we we go into re so that people can reclaim a healthy culture um, within. And when when we when we hear, you know, change takes fi- it takes five to seven years for change to take hold, and and, you know, we already know that, you know, if you're coming in to change a culture, it's going to take a long time and it's going to be hard work. And those those limiting beliefs, they are literally in the <laughs> DNA of like corporate co- co- corporations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we what we what we have found is that people do not resist change. They do resist being changed. So. So often leaders, leaders get together in a group and for 18 months, you know, they're with the lawyers and then with their accountants and they're going to be a, there's going to be a big merger and the two company, you know, the the leaders are all talking to each other and they've spent 18 months getting ready for the change, for the big change that's coming. And then one day they make the announcement and everybody's supposed to be on board. So while they've had 18 months to get used to the idea. And I know we said this on the last program, but it does bear saying again: we at the institute manage and we manifest with these teams in the space between the no longer and the not yet, and most people are so busy um, holding on to the history to the not the, the no longer that it becomes very, very difficult to be present and aware in the the present moment so that they can actually own and take hold of and have the reins on their own futures, right? And so they end up being in cultures where leadership is telling them how it's going to go, right? Here's, here's your new te- team from the, from, from, that, that you're merging with, and off you go. Have fun storming the castle. Without any, without any time to allow people to find their own solutions about how it's going to go. Right. And that's honestly, that's the place. That's the magic space. (laughs) It's out of the comfort zone. Right. But that's where the magic happens, where people like you were saying this, this co-intelligence can occur. And we really believe in it. And we're talking theoretically now um, because every every company situations are unique. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And they tell us what, what they need. People tell us what they need. Um.
2: Well, what I see also listening to you is what you're doing is you're going in and you're lifting that veil of judgment Mm -hmm. and you are then allowing the freedom of creativity. So The freedom of innovation <laughs> for them to then create solutions for the way so merging is an opportunity to create something that they've always wanted with two really valuable pieces coming together. So obviously it's not that simple. There's going to be differing opinions and all of that, but but having these open-minded Place to explore that without judgment, and then to come to the collective wisdom Mm -hmm. that's in the room. And then let's create something that we all want. You know, let's use the good pieces from this and this, and let's bring that together and to create something really amazing. And when you go in and you create that type of environment within a team, Mm-hmm. That's when magic happens and you're yeah. exactly right. It doesn't take 5 to 7 years it takes 5 to 7 minutes.
0: Yeah. Uh exactly. It can happen that quickly. And we've watched we've watched teams come to their own best solutions like in an afternoon and change change what they were about to go do Uh, they were an assignment that they, that this leadership team had and they changed it that afternoon. It was brilliant. And, and we see that, we see that all the time. It's, it's not a one-off. So one of the, you know, it's simple things that start to happen, Doug, and please hop in here because I know we've got a thousand examples, but, this is what, start, what, what, what signals the change, right? Like, how do you know when it's happening? And it's really simple stuff. People start saying please and thank you yeah. to each other. Yeah. Wow. Well,
1: here's, here's a simple question that leaders might consider, and the place to start is with themselves, and then ask your team this same question. But are more of your meetings focused on what isn't working, the problems, or are more of your meetings focused on what do we want and how do we get it? We have gotten this belief, this is the major issue with this concept called problem solving, is the belief that if we fix all of the problems, everything will be fine. And what we've discovered is if you do more of the right things more often, you will have fewer problems that need to be solved. How can that simple common sense not have prevailed over corporate America? The the one example that pops up is a $4 billion project with a major defense contractor, and the military team they're working with said, we don't want to work with you anymore because of all the problems. They turned it around with one question from the defense contractor. After we had worked with them, they turned around with one question. Of all the things we have done, what are you pleased about and are getting better results from? And this same team that was going to fire them because they were unhappy started listing them. What they discovered was about 85 to 90 percent of what our client was doing they liked. But about 100% of their attention was on the few things (laughs) that weren't going well. So they started doing more of what they were getting the results by doing. And it's amazing how the problems disappeared.
0: Yeah. Because they were getting
1: the the results. It, It was that simple. One question that nobody had thought of. That's the insanity of this belief that we inherited that the answer is we have to solve all the problems. That is so backwards. The the piece that we have missed, the conscious, Christine touched on it, I'm gonna bring it back. There are times when we are getting the results we want and there are times we're not. The common sense that has not come out of that simple statement is that both of those are caused. When we're getting the results we want, it's not an accident. More organizations that we work with and start doing more of what's getting them the results they want already, it's amazing how quickly and better the results become and how much less stress and effort.
0: And effort. And and, and I want to circle that back. Thanks so much, Doug. That's so essential. What's, What's actually occurring in those teams where more and more stuff is working well? They care, they care. They care about each other and it becomes obvious and they're caring about each other because of the results they're getting. Like that's, and, and when there's less stress and effort, teams, they start giving their best ideas for free. That unhealthy competition and comparison really does dissipate. And, and um, we've watched teams we've watched teams um, shift in ways that they work on a daily basis. So like if one team has finished what they're doing early, they actually connect with the other members of the team and say, what do you need help with? What can yes. I help you? What do you need help with? Yes. And I'm telling you, it gets galvanized by people starting to say please and thank you to each other. It sounds so innocuous. And you're like, well, <laughs> Please don't tell me we have to pay the Institute for unlearning to tell us that, but, but it's the first sign. It's like the canary in the coal mine. It's the first sign that we recognize when things are shifting, when people who have been cynical, shut down, shut up and, and just getting by because they, they do not have a voice and they don't feel cared for when they start feeling cared for. Oh my gosh. And I'm telling you, caring is contagious. And yes.
2: It is. We call it,
0: we call it the cycle of goodness, and we we 100% believe in it. And you know what? We can't come in as the expert and say, "Okay, from now on, every day, you know, here are the five things you need to do." And it starts with saying please and thank you. If we went in and did that, there would be a zero uptick. Yeah. That is that is not that's not how we get it handled we get it handled by believing in people from the get go and and i want to share this one example because it was so it was so stark it, <laughs> it, it 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 shook me we had a ceo and a coo of a team and we'd been working with the team for a couple of days and they came in on the morning of the third day and and they actually made fun of us by saying oh well the institute you know they really care about you you know it and and they mocked they, they mocked the caring and i and i it, i took that away and I thought what what was that what was wh- what how, why did that happen and and it dawned on me that this pair of leaders in particular had an inkling that if their team felt cared about, they would no longer be in, in control and commanding.
1: In charge.
0: In and, and charge, unequivocally. And, and, you know, they had some, they had some pretty brutal uh, ways of commanding and controlling. Um, but, that, but that was the reason. And so isn't it interesting, intuitively, these two gentlemen knew that they, if, if they were going to stay in command and control, they had to create a disbelief that, that there was genuine caring going on. And that's how, so, so what am I, it, it's, it's a roundabout way of saying that's the power of caring. Yeah.
2: And in a word, it's honor. <laughs>
1: Beautiful. And to the, degree, to the degree people are experiencing a need to protect and defend themselves, they cannot experience being cared about or trusted at the same time. That simple dynamic is so prevalent in the culture. A culture of an organization is the summation of the mental state of the people in that organization. And it is so easily identifiable by that one aspect that Christine was just talking about: the degree that people feel respected, listened to, cared about, acknowledged. I that, always,
0: it's that simple. I always look at. Um, you know when we go in and we look at, at company you know their their mission statements their vision statements, their values and if if they have if if they have you know our people are important to us like if that's a value or 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 a, a leadership principle that they follow if it's anywhere but on the top we know there's work to be done
1: yes.
0: it needs to be the first
1: and the slogans and banners on the wall with those words are useless compared to the degree it is being modeled and demonstrated by the leadership.
2: I agree. People ask me all the time, how do, you, uh, uh, how do you have people work for you for 25 years, 20 years, 15 years? Why do they work for you for so long? And I said, well, in a word, just like I said, Christine, honor. And I said, tell me the last time you felt honored in your job. Wow. And I have yet to meet anyone that told me, could give me an example of how they felt seen, heard, respected, trusted, honored in their work. And I love what you just said, Doug. The culture is a summation. Repeat that again. That was just beautiful. Of the mental state of their people.
1: Of the people in the organization. organization. And and the degree to which they are feeling respected, cared about, uh, honored, uh, valued, appreciated. And it is so, Christine said it earlier, it seems so simple, like a word of a thank you. But I mean, <laughs> we got a call from an organization, <laughs> from the leader of the organization, has got to tell you what happened to one of my direct reports. Oh. This guy was heard saying thank you to one of his people. Word spread through that. This is a critical organization, by the way, high level. Word spread that this individual actually said thank you to someone. It was so unusual. But it's a
0: military it was, organization.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and and it spread, right. Yes. So if this one guy starts saying thank you, the cynicism in this senior team started to evolve almost immediately. It's like, well, if he can say thank you, you know what? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: The power of thank you're you. Creating. Cycle of goodness. Yeah. Even Ooh, if good. cycle
2: of goodness. Yeah. Even, Ooh, I love that.
1: Even cycle if, of goodness. Yeah. Even if their reason for doing it, this secondary person, their reason for saying thank you is maybe not a commitment to the thank you, but it's realizing it's something that would make a difference. They will get to a deeper understanding of the importance of that once that begin becomes part of their come from. And that's a term just to come from I'll bet there isn't anybody out there who hasn't had a situation with an interaction with somebody that you immediately understood that their come from in interacting with you was not for your good. That come from term, it's not a scientific term, but I'll bet we've all experienced the impact of the come from in somebody we've had to deal with. And that shifting those come froms is a big part of the cultural transformation that we facilitate.
2: You're right, Doug, because people can feel it a mile away.
1: Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, yes, and ma'am. it's but not it about is,
2: language. It's about their energy, and it goes back to what you said, Christine, about the caring, about the – and it's, it's how they experience you and Christine is they – Feel that where you're coming from is such a powerful belief in the success of their organization that you create that kind of an energy within their team
0: we believe that they're whole when we when a person comes into an initial inquiry with us we we do it you know one one at one on one we see them as whole they are not broken they are not diminished they they're not there's nothing wrong with them we see them as whole and people can feel that yes.
1: back to again the common the overall premise of this whole thing of problem solving starts with the belief that there's something wrong and problem. inherent in that that something is wrong to come from is it's because of something someone is doing, which is where the blame and the judgment comes in. And once that starts, the culture goes downhill in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah. Well, you touched on something really big there, I think, and I want to bring that out. It's it's not about what someone is doing, yes, it's about who someone is being. being.
0: Yes. That's because
2: that beingness can shift an entire organization.
0: 100%.
1: Yes. Our work 100%. is about human being, not human doing. And so many of the classic <laughs> of, of things out there are if you do these four or five things, everybody, everything will be fine. And it isn't the doing. It's where someone is coming from in what they're doing and we can sense it in a heartbeat heartbeat
0: and we believe um actually uh, the future of policing and i know this is a whole other topic and we would love to come back and talk about that but the future of policing is in this shift by the way yes from doing to being not no new set of rules and regs are gonna are gonna fix what's going on with policing today
1: or training or training. There are things that can be trained. And let's say that there are some things that training will enhance. But until that beingness changes, that cultural place that people are operating from in the decisions they make, until that transforms, we're not going to see any different results in police reform.
2: I know you have, that's a passion of yours is healthcare reform and police reform. And I know you have done some really great work in that area. As we wrap up today, can you give an example to our listeners of a shift in from doing to being within that organization and the impact that that had?
1: Wow. Numerous, actually. So I'm trying to filter through as to what will fit right here for this. But it's wow. I am running out. Huh. What about uh, what
0: about heart? Tra- what about transplants?
1: Oh, tra- yeah. <laughs> or Transplant-
0: or Arizona, the Arizona uh, police
1: force. Oh. oh, gosh, Phoenix Police Department. There are yeah. numerous stories in the last book called The Missing Piece in Leadership. Numerous things out of that. And one of them had to do with uh, awards and people not even coming to the ceremonies that people would be getting awards, but didn't the, the, the show up for these ceremonies was minor in Phoenix police department and the commander Kim Humphrey, his name was the commander saw that and he didn't have to solve it. He went to his people and asked them what will change this and found out that there was a belief system permeating the department that, you don't want to brag about something that you did. You know, you don't want to be seen as a, as a kiss butt or and address that and ask them, how do we turn this around? And the next event that they had was a full house. Once the officers themselves got that what it was really about was understanding what we're doing that's working, so we can learn from it and do more of it there are numerous stories in there about and i'm sorry it took me a second christine thank you sure. to connect with that but commander humphrey he's retired now but amazing turnaround in,
0: he believed in his people and yes. they felt it and they shifted they they literally it was it's you can tell it's not a seismic shift. it's a it's a quarter mm. turn, right on the dial. Yeah, they just but it shifted a, the come from. and that in turn uh, changed and transformed what they were what they were doing and think, how they felt and experienced it.
1: Think of the impact in the culture of an organization that the come from that is rewarded and acknowledged is people doing mediocre work and getting by not doing exceptional work. You don't wanna do exceptional work because you'll stand out. Now consider someone in that organization in a situation. How is that gonna impact the quality of the decision they make because they don't wanna have it be really successful because then they might get singled out and that would be embarrassing. That's, that is a, such a classic example of the cost of a lack of awareness of a culture.
0: We're so actually we're actually starting an engagement now uh with the military organization where that is prevalent. Yes. We're we're starting that now.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think that's an undercover thing that that is prevalent in a lot of organizations. I don't want to stand out. I just want to I don't want to rock the boat. I, well, I don't want to do
0: it's part and parcel, Jill, uh, and I love that, like in quotes, what you're saying, um, the way people manifest it, but it's part and parcel of that unhealthy comparison and competition,
1: and totally the eighty-seven percent disengagement. Yeah,
0: yeah, comes from a lack of collaboration,
2: and yeah. and yeah. no one has made collaboration okay. I mean, they have they have defined it. A- a- like collab, like the example you used earlier, they bring everyone into the room. Somebody shares an idea and the leader says, my idea is better. Okay. We we collaborated. That's not collaborating. No, you know, but they don't understand. And, and I, I don't want to forget that you have a new book coming out. And so I, I, I don't want to leave that out. We only have a, like a minute left, but let's give some information. How can people get in touch with you
0: and t- talk a minute about your new book?
1: Go Christine.
0: Okay. Uh, you can reach us always on our website, which is institute for unlearning.com. Uh, and we will respond immediately. uh, that's probably the best way. Or you can email me at ChristineCahane at ForUnlearning.com. Uh, our new book, uh, it's a part of a series on unlearning. Um, and it's called Unlearning, Breakthrough, uh, breakthrough Leadership uh, Through Revolutionary Thinking. So if you want to be a breakthrough leader, you want to break through the clutter, you want to start doing things in ways that that are going to get you different and better results easier and easier with less stress and effort
2: and have a Uh, nicer life
0: and have a yeah why can't we have a great life while this is happening right Right. Uh, there's an embarrassment over that as well isn't there about having a great life let's all yeah and we can all help each other right have the great life but but it does but but it does require some revolutionary thinking. And we we've talked for the last hour about what some of that revolutionary thinking is. So what we know about it is that it is not seismic. It is small moves, but it takes a willingness. If unlearning is anything, it is a willingness. It's a, it's a willingness mindset. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And business Is an opportunity. The more you grow your people, the more your business grows. Yes, man. And it just happens exponentially, it's effortless. It's magic, and and as a leader, trust me, who has done that? Maybe I'm a little lazy, but the more you cultivate your people, the more they take over. The more yes. they 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 create.
0: They, they want to contribute. People. They want to be valuable.
2: Exactly, we and all it's do.
0: Amazing. <laughs> We so
2: are. I feel like I'm so happy to have you on the show today. So thank you again. And I look forward. Let's make this like a regular segment.
0: Oh my gosh. We would love
2: that. Yeah. That would be awesome. I, all of the information will be in the show notes. So you can reach Christine and Doug at the Institute for instituteforunlearning.com. So just go to the show notes and you can find out everything that you need to know. And thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate it. You really gave our listeners so much input and so many ideas about how to make work fun.